Well, happy Easter, everybody. It's great day. I wanted to thank uh, Dean Researchers for sharing his life. I'm sorry it's a little dark in here. The, the, the clouds have overtaken the, the area, and uh, Karen has a plan B for the Easter egg hunt back there, so uh, that, that's going to go awesome. It, it'll be indoors, but it'll be great. Uh, thanks for coming. I know, uh, you know, during Easter we get a lot of uh, extra people that come. That this is, this may be that that one year, one day out of the year where you're like, hey, I'm going to church today, and we're really glad you made that decision. We're really glad you made that that call just to kind of get up out of bed and come with the family together and, and celebrate something very special to us. If you're if you're new to Christianity, uh, uh, Easter is a big deal. For us, it, it, is, it is the cornerstone. It is what we are all about. Because if Jesus hadn't come back from the dead, everything that we, we've done to this point uh, was an exercise in futility. You know, we have really put all our eggs in the basket that Jesus really rose from the dead. And uh, the people in the Bible in those times never saw that happen. And neither of you. Right? You've only heard about it. People in the, in the Bible times didn't believe you can come back from the dead. It was unheard of. And so these men who claimed this said something that was so completely out of the box. As Dean said, something ain't right about that boy. You know, we believe Jesus rose from the dead for real. It's not a theory. It's not a story. It's for real. And we believe it. And so, the Bible is a collection of ancient documents written by 40 different people telling, over, over hundreds of years, telling the same story. 40 different people, over hundreds of years, telling the same story, and that story was a story of redemption. Of how God cared so much about us that He came down to lay it all out and die and rise again to redeem us. That is what the Bible is. It's, it's, a, it's a compilation of writings. And we, we, and we claim them to be true in our lives. So my point is that this morning is that Jesus rose from the dead. And here, here's, here's part of my, my, my position on this. I believe it because Matthew, a tax collector wrote about it. Mark, a first century Greek, wrote about it. Luke, a guy who interviewed all the people who saw Jesus, wrote about it. John, a businessman, wrote about it. Peter, John's business partner, wrote about it. Paul, who knew all these guys later on and saw Jesus, wrote about it. And then James, the brother, the literal brother of Jesus, believed it. These men died for what they said they saw. These men died for what they said they saw. They saw someone come back to life. And these men eventually died for saying that, for repeating that that fact. They died for what they said they saw. And that's how they lived their life. And many other people after them believed what they saw and they also died. It's natural to want to divorce the teachings of Jesus from the resurrection. 
That may be too big of a jump for some of us, going, oh man, someone from the day, that's unbelievable. That's biologically impossible. But I, like, I do like the teachings. It's natural for us to want to divorce the resurrection and the teachings. Because the teachings I like. Resurrection, maybe not. So two types of people come, to, come into focus. One is the fan. And in the Bible times, Jesus would go in these villages and places, and a lot of people, the Bible would say, large crowds would come to see Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They saw a miracle. They saw Him heal a leper. They saw Him grab dirt, spit in His hand, and put it on the blind man's eyes, and He could see. People saw this wasn't in secret, and so, He had fans. And a fan is an enthusiastic admirer. They are, I am happy I'm here. I'm happy I'm witnessing these things. This is exciting for me. You know when you go watch a Laker game? People start painting their faces purple and gold. Oh, if you're a Raider fan, you wear the most ridiculous costumes to the football games. Right? Raider Nation. Some of us are secret fans of the Raiders right now. They're doing terrible. We're secret fans. But when, but when, for a fan, when things are going well, he is an enthusiastic admirer. That's what fans do. Right now, if you're a Raider fan, things are not going well for you and for me. We don't wear our hats very often. We don't get excited about the team. Because we're fans. We, we really get excited when things are going well. And Jesus had a lot of fans. And then there's the follower. The follower understands that the teachings of Jesus interfere with his life. It causes a disruption to his life. Because when Jesus saw the crowds, here are some of the things he said to them. If you want to follow me, you better deny yourself. You better die to yourself every day. Now, I wouldn't necessarily start off with that if I had a large crowd. <laughs> that wouldn't be my opening line. I'd be like, oh, thankful, thankful you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Do you need some water? To get... Here's the bathrooms over here and here's the Easter egg hunt. That's what I would say. Jesus says, if you come to follow me and you're a fan, deny yourself. Other times you'd say, if you don't hate your mother and your father and your brother and your sisters, if you don't even hate your own life, don't even bother following me. Again, I wouldn't open with that. That's not something I would want to say. But Jesus was never looking for fans. He was wanting followers. Which one are you today? Did you come as a fan this morning? Because I hope to convince you to transition to a follower. Because the follower understands that the teachings that Jesus said, it has to affect and interfere and disrupt my lifestyle. I have to change things about me to be a follower. If I don't, then I'm just a fan. Things are going well, Jesus. Hey, that was a cool, cool thing with the blind guy, the leper. That was sweet. That was awesome. That was good stuff. Oh, me? You know something else Jesus would say to the crowd, large crowds? And he had fans and followers there. 
He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. What? Again, I would not open with, with these things. But Jesus is never looking for fans. Because our community is full of fans. He wants followers. And so for a follower, the resurrection means everything to us. That means that His teachings are real. And if they're real, they should be applied to my life. They should disrupt my life. They should interfere with my life. They should challenge my life. A follower welcomes that. A fan goes, wait a minute, I'm just a fan. I like when things are going well. So there's a difference. And a fan, a follower, his life changes because of the teachings. But a fan confuses admiration for devotion. He confuses, just because I admire Jesus, he confuses that thinking he's devoted to Jesus. And anything I've said so far of quoting Jesus has offended you. That's what Jesus says. It's undeniable. It's what He says. And the reaction of the crowd was obvious. Most of them left. In fact, His own followers at one point left. They said, this is too hard. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hearing Jesus here today saying the things He said? Would you be a fan or a follower? If this is put me before your children, wait, wait, it's getting personal, Jesus. Don't be messing with my kids. Would you be a fan or a follower? Because he's not looking for fans. Because Paul writes this For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance. There's a lot lot of important things in the Bible, but Paul says this is of first importance. And this is it Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, those ancient documents that, that, that said it was going to happen this way. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter in the Bible, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. Then he appeared to James. That's his brother. Then he appeared to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, one abnormally born. These men died for what they said they saw. Death was a fact in those times for a follower of Jesus. That's why he says, if you want to follow me, you better die every day to yourself. Because to follow Jesus meant death. And fans are not willing to change their lifestyle because it's easier just watching Jesus' things. Watching the teachings. Coming to church. Sitting at church and watching the teachings. With no interference with your life. You can always stay in the bleachers. You can cheer when things are going well. And you can smoo when things are going bad. You know what what astonishes me? Is that he appears to his followers. 
He doesn't appear to his fans. He comes back from the dead and shows up to his followers and not the fans. There's, there's something to be said about that. About Jesus wants to come back and see those who follow, not so much those who are the fan. You know, I was a fan at one point. I go to church. I went to a school where church was, was a required course to graduate. I was forced to go to church, and I went, and I served the community, and I, I enjoyed going to church, but whenever the teachings tried to interfere with my life, I became a fan. I was always the fan. I'd come. I'd come on Easter. I'd come on Christmas. That's what fans do. I was a fan. That's what I did. And then at one day, a follower of Jesus introduced me to Jesus. He didn't do it by saying, hey, come to church with me. All he did was open the Bible and show me a few passages. This is what Jesus said. You know what one of the passages he showed me? If you don't hate your father, your brother, your mother, and sister, don't you can't even follow me. That's what the guy showed me. That's what he showed me right there on campus in the grass in front of my friends. I said, this guy's either crazy or he's on to something. Because my reaction was like, I, I'm alright, man. He goes, are you sure you're alright? Because when you confront a fan, he, he starts backstroking. No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. We backstroke really fast. I'm good, I'm good. We start throwing out, I grew up in church. I've been a Christian my whole life. We start saying some of the craziest things. Because we're backstroking because the teachings have now confronted us. And we know that we're not living that way. And so we have to hold on to something. We go, but I've been going to church for 30 years. But my grandma taught me the Bible. We hold on to anything. Because when the teachings confront your life, you have to decide whether you're going to be a fan or a follower. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying this is real. They eventually died for this stuff. And he goes on. It says, if Christ had not been raised, this is, this is Paul's argument to the, to the Corinthian church, our preaching is useless, it's hollow, it's empty, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we, are, we have testified about, about God that He'd raised Christ from the dead. But He has not raised Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. A follower believes 100% that Jesus rose from the dead. There's too many facts, too many witnesses, too many, too many things to deny it. And I won't go into that today, it's a different sermon. But a fan, he believes at first. But when things get difficult, he likes to stay the fan. It's easier. Because a fan, like you said, doesn't believe it. So a fan is hollow. Empty. The teachings will interfere too much. But you see, for the, for the follower, the resurrection changes everything. It changes absolutely everything about who we are. Why we live the way we live. It changes everything. The reality of being a false witness does not sit well with the follower of Jesus. These men did not die for a lie. 
Too many people died. Either they're all liars, or they're all telling the truth. I side with, they, they stood on the side of truth for me. Because to live that way and die that way, and keep repeating that, one of them is going to break. Yeah. You put a guy in an interrogation room, two of his buddies split him apart, one of them is going to break. None of them broke. None of them. They died to the end. And their children probably died too. And their relatives died. People were dying in the first century. Lions were eating them. They are crucified on wood. I'd turn if I was a fan very easily. A fan lives for the chance to live like Jesus. And when you read the Gospels, it was a difficult situation. A follower lives for that. A follower says, hey, I have a chance to overcome my faulty character. That's what a follower's attitude is. I have a chance. A fan can cheer you on. But when it starts to interfere with their life, they choose not to get too involved. It's, 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 a fan backs off. This is a little bit too radical for me. A follower sees difficulty as a chance to show God glory. That's what a follower does. Well, that's what Dean said. For the glory of God. What happens to you when things get difficult in church? What happens to you and your attitude when people around you seem like fans instead of followers? That peer pressure to be a fan? Even even if you're a member of this church, the peer pressure to be a fan is there. But Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. And one of the things He says in the Bible is that when He comes back from from heaven, one of the questions He asks His disciples, He says, Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? That's the question He asks. Will the Son of Man, will I come back down? Am I going to see fans or followers? Because when He comes back, He's going to take His followers. That's why He said, another crazy thing He said, Wide is the road of destruction, and many are on it, and narrow is the road that leads to salvation, and few find it. Wow! That just tells you right there. What he knows to be true is that there are a lot of fans out there, but I'm coming for the followers. It's narrow road. It's a counterculture life. It's totally different. It's, that boy ain't right. It's different. It's a whole different lifestyle. And it's obvious it's different. Some of us, we blend in way too much. We blend way too much, and we, we're like we're like we have we have a fan outfit under, but we're like followers inside. Yeah, and we get this fan disguise on. No, take that off. He wants followers, not fans. That's what he came. And this may be difficult to hear, and it'd be hard to hear. But I thought about this lesson this morning. I thought about it long and hard. Do I want to be the guy that says, "Hey, there's the restrooms, there's the Easter egg, huh?" Well, am I going to sit here and st- tell you some truth this morning? I got one shot for all the fans who come on Easter. This is one chance I'm, I got. So I'm just trying to be a follower and tell you 
unashamedly that Jesus, if you believe that, then something has to change in your life. You can't just believe in the resurrection and say, I believe that, but I live a completely different life than what He taught. Then you're a fan. And if Christ has has not been raised, He says your faith is futile, futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep or, or you know who have died in Christ, they're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are being we are to be pitied more than all others. But Christ has indeed been raised from the, the uh, from the dead. You know. If there was no resurrection, then you should abandon all things Christian. You are wasting your time. You are good for nothing. Notice the pause there. I'm not saying you're good for nothing. You are you're being good for nothing. You're being generous for nothing. You, everything you've believed about heaven is a farce. Your, pl- your prayers are a complete waste of time. Your faith is futile. Nothing happens in response to you believing. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. If Jesus has, Jesus has not raised, been raised from the dead. And so Paul writes, you know, Jesus... Was was his first fruit? And when you hear that, when you see it in the Bible, it's what the it's what the Old Testament priests would do. They'd grab the first part of the harvest and they'd wave it to God, saying, "All the harvest is yours. Everything belongs to you, O God." And they'd say a prayer. And Jesus is that first fruit of all those who will one day be his followers. You know, we're saying they all belong to you, God. But you have to decide to want to be. A follower? Or do you just want to remain a fan? You know, I've been watching the History Channel lately. Sunday is my favorite day of the week, not just because of church, it's, it's a bonus package. I've got a couple shows I watch at night. Karen and I watch, we watch some pretty gory stuff at night where, you know, Karen and I like to watch mystery movies and who killed who, and it makes us a little paranoid, but you know, it just comes with the territory. <laughs> comes with the territory and watch all those shows. But on the History Channel, I've been watching a show called, it's called The Vikings. It's a reenactment of the Viking, uh, you know, uh, historical lifestyle. And in, in, in the Norse religion, they had an alternative, because they didn't know what heaven was. Their heaven was called Valhalla. And their, their heaven was this, was this different place. And Valhalla, if you ever watch Thor on, 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 on the movies, Marvel Thor... You know, they have this place called Asgard. And Valhalla is located in Asgard. And Odin, the father of Thor, rules over Asgard. He rules over Valhalla. And those who die in combat, that's a Viking, you get led to Valhalla by these female Valkyries. They fly you there. But there are certain conditions... So when you get to Valhalla, they fight all day and they feast all night. 
Fight all day and feast all night because they're dead. You know, these afterlife. But to reach the great feast hall, a Norwegian warrior must die on his feet, must die with his sword in his hand, and his wounds of death must be in the front. Meaning he died mano a mano, not like a coward to the back. To enter Valhalla. And in Valhalla they feast... And in the Bible, Paul writes this, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die Valhalla. Let's just live all our own life. Let's live for ourselves, he says. If Christ had risen from the dead, he's saying, guys, let's party. Let's party. Let's live a reckless life. Valhalla. Let's live a life of violence and feasting. That's what he says. Valhalla. If there is no resurrection of the dead. It's pretty radical. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Many of us live the Valhalla life. And you know what I'm talking about. Let's, let's eat and drink and be merry. We live that life. And Paul writes, this is the issue. This is it. If you rose from the dead, that means He rose from the dead. When someone is baptized, you know what that means when they're baptized? They die, they're saying, I am dying to my life. I am dying to my old ways. I'm going I'm to immerse myself in water into the death. And I'm going to come out of the water just like Jesus came back from the dead. I'm coming back from the dead. And today, Dewan is going to do that. Because he believes that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Good, because he wants followers. He's tired of fans. He wants followers. In fact, he says this. Okay, for a Jewish guy to believe in Jesus was a big deal. That was huge. Just the fact you say, okay, I believe in you, Jesus. That means, that enough for me, I'm like, oh man, you're part of the church, man. Come on in, brother. You're going to leave the Bible talk soon. I mean, I mean, it'd be like, that would be like, you're in. You're in. If you just believe, you are in. I mean, you're going to lead children's ministry one day. I mean, it would be in. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, to those who believed Him, He says, if you hold to my teachings, then you are, He uses that word, really my disciples. If you hold. Not if you sit at church. Not if you come to church. Not if you believe, because he covered that already. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Hold. Really. Oh, really? Yes, really. You're really his disciples. And if you're a follower, your hope's not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. Your sacrifice, it's not in vain. Your generosity, 
It's not in vain. Your service to others, you serving others, you laying down your life for us, it's not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain, except if you're fighting with your wife. There is a clause there that God put in there very wisely. Don't think you can mistreat your wife and be like, Oh, God, I love you. No, don't work that way. God's pretty clear. It will hinder you. Following Jesus, if you're a follower, it's not an exercise in futility. Everything you do is not in vain. It's for something greater. So here's the challenge. This is the issue to wrestle with. Because it's going to determine whether you are going to be a fan the rest of your life or a follower. And people get away with, with being a fan for years. And they look, they look like Christians, they go to church, but they're not followers. Because Jesus says in the parable of the weeds, I'm going to come back and I'm going to pull the, the harvest with the weeds because they grow together. And you have to wait to the end of the days when Jesus comes back, He's going to pull the wheat, the, the harvest, it's all yours, and the angels are going to drag the weeds out. That's why it's important for you today to realize this may be a difficult lesson to hear, but you have to understand, it's serious. Christianity is not some, you know, hocus pocus stuff. This is real. Lives are at stake. Your children's lives are at stake. Your life is at stake. This is real. And we're still going to have an Easter gun after church, amen? <laughs> the issue is not how Christians have treated you, nor how, how church people acted in the past. That's not the issue. The issue is the resurrection. That's the issue. And maybe you're a fan because someone mistreated you in a church once. Someone said it was rude to you in church once. That is not the issue. The issue is the resurrection. What his followers claimed he did was rise from the dead. If he didn't, then his followers are all liars. And they probably made this stuff up too. That's why it's the issue. Jesus wants a follower, not a fan. When he conquered death, he validated that message. But the most important thing that Jesus ever taught us in the gospel is how how madly in love God is with you. That's the most important thing He taught. What made Jesus different from all the religious teachers who knew the Bible, what made Jesus so different was He had compassion on people. When the leper came, everyone's like, the leper's here, who invited that guy? Jesus walked up to him and then touched his face and says, you're healed. The, the, the teachers of the law were like, Ugh, get that guy out of here. That's what made Jesus different. Was he, he had compassion. He was full of truth, this hard stuff, but he was full of grace. He had that perfect balance. That's the greatest message when you read the Gospels. Yeah, he said some crazy things that I would never say. But he also had the most incredible compassion toward people. Compassion. When his friend Lazarus died, he cried. Amazing. When he came back from the dead, he thought, make sure you tell Peter. Because I love that guy. I don't know about you, when I, when I mess up, 
you know, Jesus calls my name, I'm glad that's in the Bible. His compassion. So for all the fans today, I want to invite you out next week. Make it a streak. Go for the streak. Go two for two, two in a row. And I have a series next week that I think you'll like. I'm going to show it to you now.